So the reading is from Luke chapter 10, verses 25 to 37. In the Church Bible, that's page 1041. Luke chapter 10, verse 25 to 37. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this, and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from, Jericho to Jer from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by to the other side, on the other side. But as a Samaritan, as, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I'll reimburse, I'll reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Thanks, Francis, for reading. Thanks, Steve, for uh, praying. I wonder if you can think of a task which is really difficult it's a difficult task, and you think, I'm bound to fail. The bar is too high, so I'll lower the bar a bit, so I'm more likely to succeed. Can you think of a task like that? It might just be tidying the house. Um, it might be that you think, well, the, the bar is quite high for a tidy, clean house. I'm not sure I can manage that. I think I'm bound to fail. So I think maybe it's okay if the bar is a little bit lower and there are a few crumbs on the floor. And maybe a little bit lower than that, there are a few smudges on the window. And a little bit lower than that because, well, you know, you only see the stuff inside the fridge if you open the door um, and the door is closed. And a little bit lower than that because no one really uses that toilet anyway, so I don't have to clean that. And before you know it, instead of aiming high, you're aiming for the bare minimum. And it all seems fine, lowering the bar like that, until someone comes to visit, maybe a friend or a parent or your landlord. And they tell you, look, this place is a tip. It's not clean at all. They expose you. And you realize that lowering the bar doesn't really work. Well, hold on to that, that kind of thought as we come to this Sunday school story that most of us know pretty well. It seems simple enough. A lawyer asks Jesus, good teacher, what must I do to get eternal life? Jesus tells him the parable of the Good Samaritan, where there's this injured man, 
a priest and a Levite pass him by. The Samaritan stops and helps him. And Jesus tells the lawyer, go and do likewise. With a very clear application for us, be like a good Samaritan. Go and love your neighbor. Now, there's truth to that. But if we see this just as a simple Sunday school story, then we risk missing out on how richly and deeply Jesus can teach us through it. Because this story, it points to three things that Jesus does with us. Here's the first. Jesus exposes us. We're unloving neighbors. Now, the story, it starts with a lawyer wanting to expose Jesus. He's an expert in the Old Testament law, and he asks Jesus this question, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? That's a perfectly good question. Later in Luke 18, someone else asks Jesus the exact same question. That's just fine. But here, this lawyer, when he asks Jesus, he doesn't really want an answer. He's trying to catch Jesus out, trip Jesus up, test him, uh, hoping to use Jesus' answer against him. And he doesn't expect Jesus to answer, well, you're the expert. What do you think? What does the law say? How do you read it? And you can imagine the lawyer is a bit miffed as he answers his own question. Well, the law says, love the Lord your God with your whole being and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus essentially replies, great, you know what to do. Go and do what you know. Pretty clear who's getting the better of this exchange, isn't it? The lawyer's plan to expose Jesus isn't going according to plan. But the lawyer wants to save face. Verse 29, he wants to uh, justify himself. In other words, he wants to come out of this looking good, uh, in the right. And so he throws another question at Jesus. Jesus, the law says, love your neighbor. Well, tell me, Jesus, who is my neighbor? And that gives you an insight into this guy's heart. Because when he asks, who is my neighbor, he's basically asking, who do I have to love and who do I, who do I not have to love? What are the limits on this law of love? Who isn't my neighbor? See, here's his attitude. He's asking, how low can I set the bar? What is the minimum that I have to do and keep the law of love? And in response to that attitude, Jesus tells this parable that we all know of a man attacked on the very dangerous road, favorite of bandits, the road from Jericho to Jerusalem. Sorry, Jerusalem to Jericho. Stripped of his clothes, beaten by robbers, and left for dead. When a priest happens to walk by, maybe the man could just about glimpse the priest despite the swelling around his eyes. Maybe he mustered the strength to stretch out an arm in the direction of the priest, imploring his help. But the priest sees him, and then he pretends not to see him, and he walks on by on the other side. 
And then a Levite comes that way. That's someone who runs the temple in Jerusalem. Maybe he's carrying a Bible. And he too sees the dying man. Maybe he can see the flies festering around his wounds. And he also passes by on the other side. And I'm sure they have their excuses. I'm a very busy man. I have things to do. I can't stop to help everyone who needs help. Obviously, I'm sorry he's like this, but it's not like I robbed him. It's not my fault he's in this condition. Besides, this is a very dangerous road. There are robbers everywhere. If I stop to help, I might be next. Then what good would I be? And why is it my job to help? I don't know him. There's no link between me and him. Isn't it the state's job to look after people like this? To be honest, it's probably his fault anyway. I'm sure he got himself into this mess. Not hard to imagine those excuses, is it? And the reason it's not hard for me to imagine those excuses is those are the excuses I would have used. That's how I'm tempted to think when I see people in need. And then the surprise, verse 33. The priest and the Levite passed by, but a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, maybe tearing off his own clothes to do so, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii, two days' wages, and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Compassionate, costly care from a Samaritan. Now, this lawyer would never identify with a Samaritan. Jewish people like him saw Samaritans as foreign heretics. If you'd showed the lawyer a Samaritan and asked, are you anything like this guy? He would have said, no, I'm nothing like him. I'm nothing like a Samaritan. Which is why Jesus has made a Samaritan the hero of the story. Someone the lawyer would say is nothing like me. I'm nothing like him. Is the one who gets it right. The one who loves is nothing like the lawyer. See, what started with the lawyer trying to expose Jesus ends up with Jesus exposing the lawyer. Jesus asks in verse, verse 36, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? Maybe you notice, in his reply, the lawyer can't even bring himself to say the word Samaritan. The one who had mercy on him, he replied. And Jesus finishes, go and do likewise. Go and love like this Samaritan. You could learn a lot from this person who's nothing like you. And did you notice what Jesus does in verse 36? He flips the lawyer's question, doesn't he? Remember what the lawyer asked, Jesus, who is my neighbor? 
You know, what are the limits on this law of love? Uh, how low can I set the bar? Who do I have to love? And Jesus says, that's asking completely, completely the wrong question. Don't ask who is my neighbor. Here's the real question. Are you being a neighbor? Are you being a neighbor to those in need? That's the bar. That's the standard. Are you being a neighbor to those in need? And that is incredibly exposing, isn't it? Very humbling to measure ourselves against this standard of love. Much more manageable to think in terms of who do I love and who do I not have to love? Friends, family, people I have some link with, putting limits on the law of love. Much more exposing to use Jesus' standard. Are you being a neighbor? Are you being a Samaritan-like neighbor to people in need, whoever they are? Very exposing. Well, if we let Jesus expose our failure to love, I know our natural response is to think something like this. I need to do better. I'm not the loving neighbor I should be, so I need to do better. But if we respond like that, we'll end up in one of two places. Either we'll end up in despair because the bar of love is way up here. I can't reach it. I keep failing. I'm just guilty all the time. Despair. Or we'll end up lowering the bar again to be more manageable, putting limits on the law of love to justify ourselves. And neither of those, despair, lowering the bar, is particularly satisfactory, is it? So what do we do? Well, when Jesus exposes us, we respond not by saying we need to do better, but realizing we need a Savior, someone to forgive us and change us. Which brings us to the next thing Jesus does with us. First, Jesus exposes us. We're, in, we're unloving neighbors. Second, Jesus loves us. He's the loving neighbor. Because remember, remember the context to this parable. If you've been here the last couple of weeks, Jesus tells this on the way to Jerusalem, on the way to giving his life for sinners, for people like us who fail to love God and love others the way we should, who are spiritually dead and deserve to be left that way, and out of love, Jesus is going to die on the cross so we can be forgiven, so we can be accepted, failures as we are, so we can have new life. That's the context. And so you can't help seeing in this parable a beautiful picture of Jesus' love, Jesus' costly love for us. Imagine us lying there helpless like the man on the road, and Jesus could have easily passed us by when he saw us in our mess. He could have said it was all our fault. They deserve it. Let them sort themselves out. And that would have been fair. But he came to us. He pitied us when he saw us in the mess we'd gotten ourselves into. And he came 
And he didn't just risk getting hurt, like the Good Samaritan with the bandits on the road. He made himself vulnerable to suffering and death in our place, giving his body and blood. Also, he could lovingly restore us, tenderly put us back together, and one day return to finish binding up our wounds and bringing us home with him. The question Jesus asks in verse 36, uh, literally, it's which of these three do you think became a neighbor to the man? Well, Jesus became our neighbor. He could have stayed far off, but he came close. He could have kept the bar low, but he loved us to the max. Jesus became our good Samaritan and showed us such costly love. Let me ask, do we know that love? Do you know tonight that Jesus has loved you with a costly love? Let this parable be a picture to you of Jesus' love for us. And if you've let Jesus expose your failure to love and you've realized, I need a savior, don't let your failure drive you to despair. Let it drive you to him. He loves unloving neighbors like us. He died for us. How amazing that he'd love me, even me. That he'd forgive me, accept me, even me. What amazing love. And if we grasp that, it'll lead to this final thing. Jesus changes us to be loving neighbors like him. That command Jesus gives at the end, go and do likewise. Well, left to ourselves, that command points in a direction that we cannot go. But if we've let Jesus expose our failure to love and we've received his costly love for us, then we'll change. Because the one person who got this right will change us more and more to be loving like him. Jesus, our loving neighbor, will help us to love others like he's loved us so that we'll go from asking, who must I love, to how can I love this person like Jesus? So that when we see someone in need, we won't be hard-hearted and ask, is this person my neighbor? Instead, how can I be a neighbor to this person like Jesus has been a neighbor to me? And we'll keep failing, of course. But here's the difference Jesus makes. We don't need to despair. And we don't need to lower the bar. Because Jesus' love doesn't change. We can admit when we fail and keep aiming high. Because Jesus loves us. So I've got a simple question to finish with. Uh, Jesus is changing us to be loving neighbors like him. Well, here's a question for us to ponder. What will that look like for us this week? I'll give us some room to think, think about that in just a second. But probably, possibly, probably, the person Jesus calls us to love is the person we'll be tempted to pass by. And the person is just really hard work to love. The person who's, you know, messy, gross maybe 
uh, a person who will interrupt us. It could be a coworker, a relative, a stranger on the street. It could be the person Jesus is calling us to look on with compassion. Well, I'm going to leave some silence for us to just think about that, to pray for God's help, and then I'll lead us in a prayer. Lord Jesus, we are conscious of being failures when it comes to this high bar of love. And yet, Lord Jesus, you have loved us with such a costly love. Oh, we thank and praise you, and we're amazed that you would come to us and look on us with pity and give yourself for unlovely people like us. Please, Lord Jesus, help us, help us this week either with people that we can call to mind or with people we don't know about yet, to be the kind of loving neighbors that you've been to us. Please help us to love others with the kind of love we've received. And help us to keep coming back to your great love for when we fail and for when we need strength to go on loving, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, the musician...